What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, so, okay, Isaiah 9-6. For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Okay, so here we are. This is a Christmas verse. It's a Christmas verse. Why? Because it's announcing the child that's born. It's declaring he's a son that's given. It's telling us all these names of him. But this is not just a verse for Christmas because there's tremendous value in this verse. I mean, first of all, this verse, when you, when you look at this verse, it's like, what? It starts off with a child that's born, which we understand. That's the child in Bethlehem, in the manger in Bethlehem. And then it's ending up with him, this child that's born, his name is the Everlasting Father. I mean, wow. So how could the child that's born in Bethlehem in a manger have the name of the everlasting father? Of course, this needs explanation. You know, what do you mean? Because, by the way, when you read this, Isaiah 9, 6 does not say that the child is the everlasting father. It says his name shall be called the everlasting father. So the explanation for what is going on here is best seen in the case of a discussion that happened between the Lord Jesus Christ and Philip in John 14. John 14, that great passage where he says, Philip, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 6. And then he goes on to say, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you shall know me and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, then, 
show us the Father. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. When the Lord had said that, if you had known me, you should have known the Father also. That's the same as when he said to the Pharisees, when he explained to them in John 10.30, John 10.30, I and my Father were one. We're achad. We're one. See, And when he further said to Philip, he that seen me has seen the Father, how sayest thou that show us the Father? It's like the Lord is saying the same thing that's in Hebrews 1.3. In Hebrews 1.3, it explains that the Lord is the brightness of the glory of God and the express image, perfect image, express image of his person. The Lord Jesus Christ is the the perfect stamp. He's perfectly. In other words, you know, you've seen sometimes how a kid looks just like their father. Oh, you look just like your dad, you know. He not only looked just like his dad, his character was just like his dad. He was one with the father. The only way to know who God the Father is, is from the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's the only revealer. He's the only revealer of God the Father. Without him, we're in darkness. We have no idea who God is. We have no idea who God the Father is. That's why he said in Matthew eleven twenty seven, Matthew eleven twenty seven, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. He's the revealer. In John 1.18, John 1.18, it says there, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He hath declared him. It's a very interesting word where it says he hath declared him. It's where we get our word exegesis from. Exegesis. In other words, he has uncovered him. He's unwrapped him. He's unpacked him. Just like, for example, when you get a gift, and it's all wrapped up with wrapping paper, and you don't know what's in there until you unwrap it. You say, oh, I had no idea. You know That process of unwrapping the gift is this word. It means to declare him. Because when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, it's in the Lord Jesus Christ that the Father is unwrapped. Is unwrapped, and you can say, oh, now I can see the Father. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father is just wrapped up. God is just wrapped up. You don't know. So when the Lord Jesus Christ says to Philip, have I been so long, you know, I did like this, have I been so long time with you and you have not known me, Philip? He that seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou to show us the Father? That was a frustration. That was, a, that was an irritation. That was like a deep pain to the Lord Jesus Christ because he was saying, Philip, all this time I've been with you, you've missed the main point. The main point is that I am the declarer. I am the revealer of the Father. In me, you can see the Father. In me, you can know the Father. I mean, there's, a, there's also a tremendous tenderness, which is so characteristic of the Lord. When he goes to correct, when he goes to say you're wrong, it's wonderful. He was saying to Philip, he said, look, Philip, look at me, Philip, and when you see me, you see the Father. He was saying, listen to me, Philip, because when you hear me, you hear the Father. He was saying, know me, Philip, because when you know me, you know the Father. That's a tremendous truth 
what he was saying to Philip there for us today. Why? Because when we see the Lord Jesus Christ in the B-I-B-L-E, when we see him there, then we see the Father. When we hear him through the scriptures, we hear the Father. When we know him through the scriptures, we know the Father. See, that's the explanation of what it means when he said in the famous verse, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's saying, he's saying the Lord Jesus is man's only way to the Father. The Lord Jesus is man's only truth about the Father. The Lord Jesus is man's only light from the Father. It's all about the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is all about the Father, and that's why, that's why the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is called the Everlasting Father. They're two separate persons. They're two separate persons for sure. But when we look now at Isaiah 9, 6, we see these marvelous titles for the Lord Jesus Christ. We see them with these titles. They're wonderful. He's the son that's given. He, and it talks about the, he's the government, is on his shoulders, and then he's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. I mean, we see him. He's the son that's given. He's the one who holds the government of the universe on his shoulders. He's the mighty God, and he's the prince of peace. Each one of these titles has a wonderful meaning to it. You know, in our lives, we're stressed out. Let's face it. We're stressed out with so many urgencies that just demand our constant thought attention here and there. And if we don't think we're stressed out enough, then we turn on the television and we watch Fox News and we get more worried. And then we get more, you know, stressed out. And all these urgencies, they just rob us from seeing what we're going to sing about, that we are complete in him, complete in him. That's why these titles here in Isaiah 9, 6 of the Lord are so important because if we just take time to think about, really try to digest and get to the heart of each one of these titles, then all of a sudden we get flooded with this thought, we're complete in him, we're complete in him. And so the one title that I want us for to consider for now is this title, Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor. Now in English, when you look at that, you say, you know, wonderful comma, counselor, you know, it looks like one title. He's the, it's describing, he's wonderful, and then he's counselor. That's not the way it is in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it's very clear. He is, a wonderful is an adjective. It's wonderful counselor. It's wonderful counselor. So if you want to really kind of like nail this home when you read this part, then instead of saying wonderful counselor, you could say something like, as a counselor, he's a wonder, okay? As a counselor, he's a wonder. So let's just think about that. Just think about how. How is he a wonder? How as a counselor is he a wonder? How is he a wonderful counselor? You know, like I was saying, in our world, in our lives, stress is an epidemic. Stress, it's like the flu. You can't not get the flu. You get infected with stress. And with so much stress, people can't live without a counselor, without a counselor. You know, some time ago, there was a five-man research team at the New York Cornell Medical Center in Manhattan, and they did a large study over an eight-year period in which they studied thousands of New Yorkers during that time. And the question they were asking was, 
how mentally stable are New Yorkers? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no. All right. So after the study of thousands of New Yorkers, the team came to the conclusion that only one in five New Yorkers were mentally stable. And the conclusion was that, you know, 80% of New Yorkers need counseling. They need counseling. And we, we're, we're, we need counseling too. We need counseling. But we have a wonderful counselor. We got a wonderful counselor. And you know, it's, what's interesting is that, um, you know, when I was a kid, when I was, when I was, you know, I don't know, 15 years old, my, my father sent me to a, a psychiatrist, a counselor, you know. So anyway, but you know what happens when a patient goes to the office of a counselor? You know, the, the, the counselor sits at his desk, you know, and usually behind him there's all these diplomas and plaques, you know, a first-time visit. You know, the patient's sitting there, and the patient is, is straining his eyes, you know, where was that one, you know, the, is that a fly-by-night internet university or, you know, <laughs> what does it say, you know, he's a, you know and, and you look at it, all these credentials, you know, on the wall, and you're basically trying to come up with the, is he qualified? <laughs> Can he help me? You know, and all those diplomas and so forth, they're all basically saying, I'm qualified, I'm qualified, I can help you, you know. So what are the credentials of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes him the wonderful counselor? What are those, what are those diplomas that he's got on his wall when you go and you sit down? Well, the first diploma that we see from this verse here is he has a diploma that says, the mighty God. <laughs> the mighty God, okay? Now, that means he's our creator. He's our creator. He's a wonderful counselor because he's our creator. And what have we just been singing about? Jesus knows all about our struggles. He knows all about our struggles. He made us. He made us. And so, therefore, he's qualified because he's our maker. Okay. Second, another diploma that's on the wall of the Lord Jesus is it says, experienced in griefs and sorrows experienced in griefs and sorrows. He's got a diploma in griefs and sorrows. Why? Because of Isaiah 53.4. Isaiah 53.4 says, surely he hath borne our griefs and our sorrows. That experience, that experience gives him the qualifications. It gives him, it qualifies him to give us in place of our griefs and in place of our sorrows, his joy. His joy, as it says in Nehemiah 8.10, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord, speaks about, is our strength. The next diploma says uh, up there, it says, experienced in our weaknesses. Experienced in our weaknesses. Why? Because in Matthew 4.2, when it talks about when he was in the desert and he was going through the 40 days of fasting, and it says there in Matthew 4.2, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered, hungered. I'm hungry after 40 minutes. He was hungry after 40 days. So hungered, hungered. And then when he was on the cross, when he was on the cross in John 19, 28, John 19, 28, it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. He said, I thirst, I thirst. That qualifies him to give us his strength. 
in the place of our weakness. Like it says in Ephesians 3.16. Ephesians 3.16, it's a prayer, and it says that, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his grace, of his glory, to be strengthened in the inner man by, with might by his spirit in the in inner the man. Darkness. So that's what he does, is because he's qualified in our weaknesses. Then he's got, he's got a diploma up there again on the cross in Matthew 27, 45. Something incredible happened for a period of three hours. Matthew 27, 45. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So the darkness on the outside was nothing compared to the darkness he was experiencing on the inside as he was abandoned by God and he cries out, why did you forsaken me? That diploma experienced in our darkness, it qualifies him to give us light in place of our darkness. As it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, next diploma he's got on his wall, it says, experienced in the death that threatens us. Threatens us. Experienced in the death that threatens us. Experienced in death that threatens us. What does it say in Romans 14.9? Romans 14.9. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. What does it say? What does he say to the Apostle John? What does he say to the Apostle John in Revelation 1? He says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and have the keys of hell and death. What's that mean? That means he's qualified to give us his life in place of our death. When he said that, he said that, to you remember, he said that uh, when he was standing in front of Lazarus' dead body in John eleven twenty five. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, or as we've said, believeth into me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. See, all those diplomas, what are they basically showing here? It's showing that the Lord is a wonderful counselor because he's qualified. He's very qualified to have, because he has this personal, intimate knowledge of all that we're going through in life. Hebrews 4.15 explains it like this, Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. See, it's a very important word when it says touched. Touched, because it means he's not just academically familiar, you know, not just like I study these courses at these universities and I understand your problems, and never experienced anything. Like that. No, he's, it's not like he's like that. Because, it, but he has personally gone through, and he has walked what we have gone through. That makes him a wonderfully qualified counselor to us because he's experienced what we've experienced. 
And for those who've gone through the terrible feeling of abandonment, through divorce, or through the loss of a loved one, he's wonderfully qualified, and you could say there's another one up there that's experienced abandonment, and he said he's wonderfully qualified to be our counselor because he experienced the abandonment by man when he was at the cross in Mark 14.50, Mark 14.50, where it says, they all forsook him and fled. And when he, and when he came, onto the, came to the cross, he had this on his mind. He was thinking about this. It was weighing heavily on him because he knew that this was the prophecy that they were all going to be scattered. He knew the prophecy that this is going to happen now. He knew Zechariah 13.7, Zechariah 13.7, where it says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, which is what happened to him at the cross. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And he quoted that prophecy. He said that to his disciples in Matthew 26, 29, which shows it was so much, so much on his mind. Matthew 26, 29, where it says, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives and saith Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. That's exactly what happened to him in the Garden of Gethsemane there when he was arrested. They all ran. And it was so hard for him when he looked for some help. He wanted some help. He wanted some comfort. He wanted some compassion. He wanted some pity from his friends. And he speaks about that in Psalm 6920, Psalm 6920, when he says, reproach hath broken my heart. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. See, his heart was broken. He was full of heaviness. He says he was full of heaviness. Why? Because it was the heaviness of bearing our sins on him. From Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our sins, borne borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. And as it says in the next verse, in Isaiah 53, 53, 5, Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then in the next verse, in Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He experienced what no one should ever experience in that abandonment diploma, that abandonment degree. And as we've said, when he cried out in Matthew 27, 46, when he cried out in Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is an area of abandonment of one of the things that's being referred to in this Hebrews 4.15 where it explains he was touched in every point with the feelings of our infirmities. Infirmities, infirmities, weaknesses. It means when we are weak with hunger, when we are weak with thirst, when we are weak from just fatigue, he's experienced that. He's experienced that. And so that makes him qualified to be our wonderful counselor. So we've seen how he's been qualified in all these different areas. But, you know, one time a dear friend asked me, he said uh, to me, he says, 
do you know a good Christian counselor for him to go to? And I said, I don't know a good Christian counselor, but I do know a wonderful counselor. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.